Hi, everybody. This is Jenny. Welcome to Miami Lit Podcast. I have a very special guest, Natalia. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's re- I'm really excited to have really? you here. Yes. I'm so glad we reconnected and we found each other like yeah. in the most random Miami way, too. That That is such a good way to describe it because um, it is a very Miami way. Yeah. As big as Miami is, it's very small. So small. It's like we can we showed up at an event at the, that you were hosting, but I didn't know that you were hosting. And right. I thought, like, who could I possibly see? And out of, like, the couple of people that were there, I see so many people I know. And one of them is you. I was so excited. I was like, wow, yeah. like, we get to reconnect and you get to see me, you know, older and, like, yes. where I am now in life. So it's, it's very exciting. It was such a nice surprise to see you <laughs> and to see the role that you you came in with. So for people that don't know, you were a journalist covering yeah. the event that we had. Yeah, um, I, I really liked connecting with the artist, which was on your podcast recently. Yeah, Diana. She's awesome. And we could go on and on about her. But um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming because that was so nice to have you there. It, yeah, was, it was a lovely event. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I'm biased though. <laughs> I had really fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And we met a lot of good people. And, like it was yeah. a good mix of, you know, all the creative minds that you would right. want to be at an event like that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's um let's give some details. So the event was an NFT um event for that we did for Diana, for Diddy, the artist. And it was celebrating like her stepping into the crypto world and the whole thing. Um, so it was meant for art lovers um, or just like you said, any anybody that's really into their creativity to just come and have fun. Yeah, I think that it really introduced. I mean, I don't know much about NFTs. So just hearing it from the perspective and seeing how it affects local people like Diana, local Miamians. I think that was yeah. a nice like take to it, too. So I was glad to be there. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was like one of those things that it you thought it would be scripted. But no, it was real life. I think the universe sometimes has a way of working and kind of just puts you in the right places at the right time. Right. So uh, we alluded to the fact that we know each other. Yes. Let's tell people how we know each other. Okay. I want to hear your perspective a bit because it's interesting. I mean, you know, you have so many students, so I don't know. (laughs) So you were my one of my students in uh, what was called inquiry skills or critical thinking class. Um, which was all about how to uh, be a proper writer and how to make that work for you in your professional life. Um, so it was all about research and, uh, you know, syntax and things like that and grammar. And you were you were one of them. Yeah. And, and you grade. were such a yeah, you were such a joy to have because you were always so prepared and so. Um, do you honestly you know, remember ahead, though? Do I do. Remember? I I'm do. Like, it's been a while. <laughs> no, I do. Actually, I remember a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you about that later. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's crazy. I mean, I feel like sometimes you have teachers and they either like will remember you forever. I have like a third grade teacher that like saw me when I was an adult and she's like recognized me because I guess I still look the same. <laughs> um, and then there's some teachers that probably like forget that you even existed i think that's also happens a lot more in college too because yeah. they have so such large classes and things like that yeah it's true but no i remember mostly everybody oh, yeah that's a good and, you're, you're a good and teacher. sometimes i don't remember the names but I'll, I'll remember the face for sure yeah um and i was in colorado a couple of weeks ago 
and I hear somebody like, Miss Lopez. <laughs> and I turn around and it was a student. Well, now an adult. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and I remembered him right away. Like as soon as I saw his face, I was like, oh my God, it's you. I think it also helps that you were like, I don't want to say close to our age because obviously like you were a teacher, but like we're a lot more closer, I feel like, in age yeah. now than back then, obviously. Yeah. But now I don't see you like back then I saw you as an authority, like an authoritative figure versus now it's like, like I'm a I person. Call you Jenny. Yeah, you're a person. <laughs> you're doing all these cool things and it's it's like a Oh, like a two you. different people in one. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. But yeah, teachers are people too. <laughs> that's true. I'm a person. I think talking about your class, though, that's what I kind of wanted to mention in terms of like journalism and what I do. Because in ninth grade, that's kind of the first class that you take. And I'm not a lot of people get the opportunity to take a class like that. And so young mm-hmm. where you learn how to research, how to write, how to like be critical about information that's presented to you everything that encompasses media literacy so I like really really remember I when I re-saw you at the event I was like you that class did have a like kind of role in shaping who I was and like who I became in my career because it was the first stepping stone I I remember I'll never forget the paper also because you had like crazy rubrics that (laughs) we had to follow and like a bunch of hurdles to jump I loved it you know I I was such a scholar I loved like writing and doing presentations it was meant to help (laughs) and it did and it did and I wish that like every student you know of that age like in high school could have that opportunity to learn those things because it's so crucial and I see it so much in the work that I do about like what I think is common sense of like how to consume media might not be for the rest of the population so I think it's it was such a key instrumental role in like shaping who I would to become later on you know oh thank you thank you for for sharing that that's um you know, when, when you step into that role, all you want to do is make sure that for whatever time you have with those kids, those people, that you do something that's good for them, whatever that may mean. Of course. So th- thank you for validating yeah, that. Yeah, no, of course. I think teachers should get I wasn't always props. the best, but I tried. <laughs> teachers should definitely get props. And I, you know, I mean, in Florida and, and in everything, like yeah. just how i mean they're getting more appreciated now and getting hopefully the pay raise but um at the same time it's such a undervalued profession so is journalism but i could go on forever (laughs) about that yeah no i mean that was the perfect segue so now that the cat is out of the bag Mm -hmm. you are now a journalist yeah yeah it's how (laughs) exciting and it fits you perfectly really yes like if if somebody would have asked me back then (laughs) what would natalia do i would have totally said journalist i think that i don't know i struggle with that concept just because like i feel like you never when you're picking a career and stuff like that in hindsight i can see that it was like meant for me like with my whole story but it's really hard to be 17 18 19 whatever even when you're choosing to switch careers later on in life it's very scary to like be like is this what I'm dedicating myself yeah. to it's a big decision exactly but when I was that age when I was trying to figure out what am I going to study I mean I looked back and I started journalism when I was literally in fourth grade because we had kind of the same setup with like cameras it was a small little studio and it was just like morning news yeah. but like just to know that in some part of my memory I like started there is so fun for me because it's like it's always been part of my life I go to middle school I started a newsletter with like my friends there 
for the school. And then again, like that journalism aspect in it that at the time was just having fun with my friends. Then in high school with TV production and the online news site, I was always involved and always like returning and you saw that I really loved writing, like just any type of research writing. So it all were puzzle pieces that fit. I just had to make them fit. (laughs) Right. And that's a hard thing to do. I mean, to ask someone so young, like, what are you going to do for the rest of your life or whatever? Not that it has to be, but you know what I'm saying. It's a big decision. Um, And it's a a blessing, but it's a scary blessing. Yeah, I think I saw it always like as something secure. I, I never saw college as like, I mean, sometimes when you like go to college to be a doctor or like a lawyer, like that's your pathway. You're doing right. that. But sometimes there's pat like you can take like it's a not major. So clean cut. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to like just because you're an English major doesn't mean you have to become an English teacher. You can, you right. know, convert any. Those, they're like skill sets. What you go to college for is for at least for me, it was skill sets. Yeah, it was communication. It was marketing. It was all these things that like tied well together, complemented each other. But I don't have to, like, dedicate myself to the rest of my life, which is kind of why I'm not doing a master's right now, because I feel like I can gain more experience in the real world applying those skill sets that I got in my undergrad and then figure out, okay, if I am going to put money into a program, I want it to be the right one, not just because I want to get a degree, because right now it's the value in that. It's a lot of money Mm -hmm. and time. And like you said, there's just so much going on here that you could use your skills as opposed to sitting in a, you know, in a classroom. Exactly. In a college classroom. Sometimes I'm like, I miss school, but then I'm like, mm, homework. I don't know about all that. <laughs> it's interesting because when, you, when you're someone that enjoys learning and the process, it's hard to step away and yeah. to say, no, I'm not going to enroll in that program. But, um, but yeah, there's just so much going on all the time. It's, you know. The world is your oyster, as they say. Exactly. And I think I learn a lot through the job that I do because a journalist, you get to talk to people that are very specific in certain fields. And then even though you may never learn about that ever again or it's not something that, you know, you come across by very often, you get to kind of become a mini expert like for a day and kind of get the information that the person that does know about it gives you and make it so that the rest of the population understands it. So I think that I get a lot of my learning through (laughs) my job. I think that's such an interesting point because a journalist is not just spewing information, right? You are taking something and making it in a way that's approachable and digestible to the everyday reader. You know, because at the end of the day, you want news to be accessible. Exactly. Not everyone reading your article is going to have a PhD. Yeah. Or, or know what a specific or know word exactly. is. Um, so I, I think that's it's so amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. What you guys are doing. <laughs> it's, um, it's a big responsibility for sure. So before we dive into your journalism okay. life. Uh, let's talk about growing up in Miami. Yeah, I think that I want to preface with I used to, I don't want to say I hate Miami, <laughs> but growing up, and when I'm saying growing up, I would say like middle school, beginning of high yeah, school. Yeah, once you start to become aware yeah, of your surroundings. Exactly. Because like you're no longer like being taken to the park, to, like you know, you yeah. might be going to the mall, like Sunset Place with your friends and things like that. And you start to realize 
especially back then. I mean, I, I wish I was a teenager now or like, you know, because there's so much more now to do. But I feel like, you know, I would say like that was almost 10 years ago. Um, there was less to do. And, you know, Miami died down really quick. Not that I was trying yeah. to go clubbing at 13, but like, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be able to do that. There wasn't as many museums mm-hmm. or a lot, many resources or maybe I just wasn't well connected. You know, I lived yeah. in Miami's very bubble living. You either yeah. get in your car, go to school or go to work, come back, maybe like do stuff with your media community. But, you know, there's not it's not like you're constantly like Unless you live in like downtown Brooklyn, you it's walk around. It's definitely changed a lot in the recent years. Like the kids that are growing up now have a different Miami than what we had. Exactly. Because I, yeah, it was, um, obviously I'm older than you, but it was like the mall, the movies, and like a park or a beach. Mm-hmm. The, those That was the extent <laughs> of your options on what mm-hmm. you could do as a teenager. There weren't all these like cool activities, these museums, or exactly. um, all this other stuff that they have. So I was lucky because I Winwood was coming into the mix, like when I was in like beginning high school. So I would go to Winwood a lot. Like I would go on like dates to Winwood. I would go out with my friends on Winwood. And obviously, like we couldn't. Winwood wasn't even. I don't even know if like all the clubs were still there. Obviously, I wasn't going to the clubs, but just being at the walls, there was right. like places to like eat. It was exciting. Trucks. Yeah, it was. It's still exciting. Seeing the art, yeah. like it was very like you think. It made you feel grown up. Yeah. In a sense. You're like, wow, I'm here. There's people from like tourists and like you're just like part of it. So growing up in Miami at that time, my I don't want to say again hatred, but like just my, my perspective of it shifted completely because I wanted to go out of state for college. And I didn't end up going out of state because I started becoming more aware yeah. of how amazing Miami was. You know, I before I would not really take public transportation or anything but in high school like now that you have that freedom to I like started to taking the free trolleys everywhere or the train and that opened up my world to like really admiring how beautiful Miami is because it's one thing driving through you know and like you see it from a different perspective exactly so I think growing up in my late like high school years, I really became more aware of how amazing and how much potential Miami has. And I guess we're seeing that with everyone moving here now that yeah. there's definitely potential. It feels like the rest <laughs> of the country now sees what we've all seen the last couple of years, you know, living here and growing up here. Because, yeah, it's, as much as like it was, um, it felt like the little city that could back in the day, <laughs> like a couple of years ago. You still knew, you got the sense that, like, okay, I live in a special place. You know, the beach is amazing. There's, maybe it's not exactly what we want. It's not a New York museum type yeah. thing. But we have something good. So it's no, not Kansas. I, like, it's it, not like <laughs> Wisconsin. Like, we're not yeah. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's, um yeah, it's kind of nice how everyone's all of a sudden aware of how awesome we are. Yeah. So growing up, <laughs> and also I feel like, at that age you're more aware of like social issues and what's going on around you because before like you know you're just excited to go see your friends at school or whatever but once you become more aware even and we can segue back to uh my alma mater your previous workplace um about that like you become more aware of who you are your identity the people around you your relationship and like relation to that yeah, like how you relate to the world. Exactly. And where you fit in and everything that's going on. Exactly. Yeah. So 
for background in the school that I went to and you taught at for Gable Senior High, they have what's called an IB program. Mm -hmm. And it was very much catered to white people (laughs) and to rich, like the affluent part of Coral Gables. Obviously, the program is a program that is magnet. So you get to apply for it, but it's four years. And the people that started the program versus the people that finish it, you can see the stark like difference. And so I was very much aware and I had a lot of friends that either dropped out of the program or, you know, I was basically out of my whole friend group. I was probably the only one that finished IB. That stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. And it was because I love the program is great in terms of preparing you for college, in terms yeah. of showing you how to research. I agree like, with scholarly. That. Like it's the perfect program to prepare you for college and for you to get credits. I went to FIU completely free because of it. You know, I, I was just really in a good place academically. But you also become more aware. And I had this project in college. I had this class, which was the best class. Like, again, I love my teacher. He still, I hope he still remembers me because he's my favorite professor that I ever had in What's FIU. His name? Matthew Acevedo. Um, oh, I have I to look him up. I'll, I'll literally send him this and tell him I shouted yes. him out. Because there's Ma- like- Ma- <laughs> Professor Acevedo, thank you for everything you do in the classroom. Yeah, so it's like people like you and like him that you just are very memorable in shaping like your education because they just present something that might not be like traditional school stuff, but right. it's like helpful. So yeah. his class, it was an FIU honors class, was analyzing social issues through watching HBO The Wire. Have you ever seen The Wire? Of course. I, I And first of all, that it came out in like early 2000s. Okay, I want right? to take this class. <laughs> it came out in the early 2000s. So like I, it wasn't like it was on the TV when I was like, you know, yeah. the age to like understand it or whatever. That's true. So it's this, you know, we're watching, I forgot how we even accessed it. If he gave us a code, whatever. We'd watch episodes per week and like write reflections on it, right? Like very like, tie scholarly articles to what we would see in the right. wire and on like shout out to the wire because it's such a good show it is. for like learning about america like and yeah. learning about the issues like i again i want to rewatch it and also like the actors amazing and so it was just 10 out of 10 so one of the seasons is i feel like i'm talking a lot <laughs> you're not you're no please but you're one perfect. of the seasons of the show is like showing the school system and obviously they're showing the school system it's in baltimore right Ooh, I, think I think so, so. i'm trying to so remember I, I i think so so it's the school system and it's basically how it's underserved how like the trouble yeah. kids are like trouble kids and they're creating the stark divide and low-key you're i was able to see that in my own high school and i was able to like reflect on that because yeah. you know at the time i was like oh i'm just in school like you know it's not my problem it's like you know, like it's adults it's, that are kind of creating this situation, right. you know. So I didn't really like think too much of it. But taking this class and seeing that and I had a project where like I had to kind of highlight like a school or something. I, I don't remember the rubric or what was like the things, but I decided to do like an article style like reflection or feature on that divide between IB students and non-IB students. And it was like I feel like it was controversial, like for me to like. I don't know, I, I, cause I had such a, like I was involved, you know, like yeah. I was part of IB, you, you know, right. I'm, I'm biased in a sense, but the fact that I had the friends and the fact that it, like 
I, I got all the voices from people that were both finished the program and didn't finish the program. And they all kind of echoed that, yeah, like they got more opportunities to be mm-hmm. in yearbooks or be part of student government. All of these key things yeah. that prepare you for life, that give you like skill sets that, you know, had I not be, been part of like TV production or um, part of like online like news sites or stuff like that, maybe I wouldn't have even picked journalism. So to think that there's kids that don't have access to those type of mm-hmm. things because of favoritism or because of whatever political stuff goes on in schools. Yeah. The Wire was perfect to kind of show that and me mimic that with my experience. I would love to hear what your, your thoughts about it. <laughs> I, I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> How much time do we have? Um, Just a little face <laughs> of it because I know it's... No, um, it was definitely something that you could see mm-hmm. um you know from the adults perspective you could see it you could see the population change between your ib class and your uh regular class for lack of a better term yeah and the fact that they're called that and like it's used by kids and adults you know yeah. like what it, why is that a b and then the other kids are regular like what does that say about you? <laughs> like, that um you know that's that's reminding me of a conversation i had in class one time because i i was I, I was asking the kids something and I remember being upset because I had asked them to do something and like one person did it out of like 38. I remember being really like upset and someone said, we're not your IB class, we're regular students. Mm-hmm. And I remember that like threw me for a loop because... I think I would have cried if I heard a kid say, I, say that. I cried at home. Yeah, yeah, not in front of them. But I did cry at home. And, you know, it was, it was very frustrating because then it, it had I had the guilt. Like, did I make them see themselves that way? Yeah. Um, I never treated them differently. As far as I was concerned, yeah. they were the same. Um, so then it just, it created this deeper conversation. Why do you see yourself that way? You are just as great as you want to be, you know? Exactly. You don't need a title that says you're an IB in order for <laughs> you to have a certain level of um, success, you yeah. know? Like, are you excusing your your lack of um, wanting to do things? Exactly. Your lack of goals? So you're saying you don't want to get an A because you're not an IB? Like, I, it, it was just, it was a lot, you know? Of course. Um, and then it just takes you into this rabbit hole, you know, where does this problem start? Did the school create this issue by separating everybody? Or is this like a cultural thing? Mm -hmm. Because technically everyone can apply to the IB program. Why aren't certain kinds of kids applying? Of course. Why do they feel intimidated or that they wouldn't succeed or they just don't fit in because their parents don't drive a Mercedes? Um, so it was like a whole component of things. And even like to the adult side, the teachers, I I know of certain teachers that would say, I only teach IB. And to me, that was always so weird because I just wanted to teach. Yeah. I could teach anybody. Like, who cares? I don't care what class this is. Just give me a student so I can talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
but yeah it was it's definitely like a complex um, i think it's systemic like it's literally very like what came first the chicken or the egg exactly like it's kind of just feeds into itself so being aware of that in college and like looking back and kind of having the idea of creating this into an article because i had already solidified that i was going to be a journalist i reached out to one of my ib teachers and i was like hey would you like to talk about this you know, to stir the pot, no, but to, like, have a, <laughs> a, a, an actual perspective, and he said he didn't want to stir the pot, that was, like, his actual words, so it's, like, even, like, maybe people are, like, when you were in that position, aware of, like, the divide, but, like, mm-hmm. they kind of just accept it, and I'm not trying to go to, like, the high school and change it or whatever, but it's, like, bringing up, you know, conversations that are important, and that's what journalism does, you know, finding something that you notice, and then, kind of read like looking into it more and hearing the voices and kind of seeing like hey this is an issue um so I always remember that as like that class again the the, the wire social issues my teacher uh Dr. Acevedo, Mr. Acevedo, um just because it was such like mind-blowing honestly yeah. to like be able to see something in tv something that was produced like had a lot of like you know, energy put into it and it mirror in some aspects something that I went through here in Miami, you know? Right. Yeah, you can definitely see the links between. And that's just a testament to how great of a professor he is because he was able to take something um, that's pop culture in Mm -hmm. a way and translate that into what you guys could use in your own educational way. So it's... um, that's that's awesome. That sounds like a, such a fun class. It was like, I want to take that class. It was literally the best. I was such a procrastinator, though. So, and... I think that <laughs> just comes up. with writing. I yes. feel like all writers suffer from some form of procrastination, <laughs> which is not... You mentioned my rubrics being crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why they were so, like, detailed. Because I know we tend to procrastinate, you know? If, if you're a writer by choice because you love it or just because you have to... Mm-hmm because you're in school or your job or whatever you that's just a mountain we all climb like procrastination i think like no one's ever excited to write like no journalist no writer like we're never excited we're excited after we start writing it's like going to the to the gym (laughs) you never want to walk in there but then once you do you're like yes this feels so good exactly so same thing with writing so in that class and we'll wrap up the whole the wire situation but in that class we had it for two semesters, so he already knew how amazing I was in the class, not to do my own horn, but I loved it. Like, I yeah. really, like, took it seriously. I was like, I watched the episode. I'm going to analyze. I'm going to write five more pages than needed because I just, like, really enjoyed it. I have a lot to um, say. <laughs> exactly. And so in the second semester, I mean, I was working full time while I was doing college full time. So I had I didn't submit, submitted anything for, like, seven weeks. So, like, mid-semester, like, basically. And Ooh. he was like, he sends me an email. He's like, Natalia, I know you're great but you haven't submitted anything and that's fine i just want to make sure that at the end of the semester you will and that was honestly the worst procrastinate it made me never want to procrastinate again because i had to like compose 20 pages worth of like writing in like a week or maybe even less and i was like yep this was like you learned your lesson i learned a lot from that (laughs) class to say the least but i i really enjoyed it so i just love creating those connections in the real world and anything i learn and i think that's why i love journalism so much because you really get to like make those connections and bring those voices out and 
like feel like you took something out of it afterwards like feel like right. the job that you did was something meaningful right. it's not just to you but like to like other people it has a deeper purpose than just doing something exactly yeah yeah and i can see why you're it's such a good fit for you <laughs> Because you you care a lot about a lot of things. Yeah, I think um a, a misconception or something that they wanted to push a lot in the journalism industry, especially like before, by before I mean like golden age of journalism yeah. and stuff like that, would be like you have to have no opinion, because that's the only way that you're a true journalist that you like are so impartial that you're just gonna report the facts. And of course, it's important to like separate commentary versus like actual facts but we're all human like I will always have a perspective you know I can't say that I don't on social issues or whatever it be but it's more so like getting the facts of whatever story it is getting the correct voices and whatever perspective I have on it shapes maybe how you build the article so like an example like let's say um, I'm covering abortions right March, right? And abor- abortions rights March. I am a woman. So do I not, like, have a perspective on it? Of course I have a perspective on it. Yeah. But I'm there to tell, not to, like, write about what I think or don't think, because that's a blog. That's, like, you know, that's just a rant. <laughs> it's about, okay, why did 200-plus people decide to show up in a little park in, like, South Dade to protest Mm -hmm. you know like who's watching like why do they care so much who are the voices why are they out here advocating what is being done and those things that's what makes journalism it's not just writing whatever you want or giving your perspective Mm -hmm. and I feel like right now in this age everyone thinks it's so biased whatever no it's literally there's things going on in the world and then I'm a human so I would just want to tell that story and you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Totally, 100%. And I'm glad you brought up the the bias issue because we do see a lot of, like, mainstream media being accused of being extremely biased. And sometimes it's true. They are biased and it shows. Um, But how, I wonder, like, how do you and your peers, your colleagues deal with with that huge pressure? I think that it also depends the medium of journalism that you're into. And, like, so I am so blessed. I don't think we've even mentioned where I, like, have been <laughs> No, through. we haven't. Um, we, to- <laughs> <laughs> we just started talking about the why. Um, so I did an internship towards the end of college at WLRN, which is the South Florida, South Florida affiliate station of NPR, public media. And so... I loved it. I, and I still, I freelance for them um, basically as like a part time. Um, I loved it so much because it wasn't, it's public media, it's public funded. So it's less so of like having to cover a specific issue or like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. It's literally we're for the public, funded by the public, doing the work for the public. And that's the basis of journalism. I love that. Yeah. And I, I really wish more people, especially more people my age, gave NPR and WLRN love because just I, I'm biased of course because I you know I've done so much work there but I really think that they have such a good mission and unfortunately being funded by the public means that you have a smaller newsroom yeah. you don't get to cover everything but if people really were to like put time and energy into like making that connection with such an important local community newsroom like WLRN, you would get like the returns tenfold because you know what's going on locally. 
But in terms of the bias that we were talking about, I think that if you're going to watch like TV, like broadcasting news, they're always going to show you something dramatic because they Mm -hmm. want you to keep watching. They'll show you the same thing at 10 o'clock and at 11 o'clock. Yes. (laughs) I never understood that. It's because they think that some people tune in at 10, some people tune at 11. It's literally repetitive. They'll something I had an internship at Univision Mm -hmm. and I was able to shadow um, a reporter and like they'll literally drive to like say in front of the courthouse just to get that shot of the courthouse in the background and that's such a waste of time like you're driving that's a good point and it's just for the visuals you know and the package is a minute long like hi yeah i'm reporting here and then okay let's go and then there's got like it's not i don't want to say it's not important but it's for show and so that's what turned me off completely about broad that type of broadcast tv broadcast because i don't want to do something that's like just for the views or things like that so there's it really depends what type of journal like journalism path you want to do so the CNNs, the Fox, they're all going to have that blatant bias that unfortunately is associated with them. They do great reporting. I'm not even going to knock like either side. Like there's yeah. reporters and there's work being done, but it's like they're going to have what's going to keep people tuned in for longer. Yeah, it's that drama, that like blatant manipulation and trash talking that... Um, it should turn a lot of people off, but apparently it's not. It's bringing more people in. It's like a car crash. Everyone wants to watch. <laughs> yeah, it creates these little bubbles that, like, people just want to, like, re, like, affirm what they already believe in or what they already That's think. That's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's like everyone feels like they're in their tribe and they're going to hang on no matter what. Exactly. So I think that seeing it, finding the right, like, publication or finding the right motivation to whatever journalism is is what kind of keeps me at bay at that also I don't I cover more of like human perspective stories like I like to humanize a lot of my stories so I you'll never catch me like really covering I have like covered like government meetings and stuff like that but that's not what fuels me or inspires me as a journalist it's more so like finding a cool little story and then seeing like how does it affect people what's the people story behind it um obviously like reporting on shootings and reporting all that all of that is important but I want to create work that transcends just that one day because if there's a shooting at Aventura Mall okay which was actually one of the things that happened like a couple days into my internship at WRN it was relevant that day but then they close the mall they deal with the issue it's and done. That's it. And then you read that article now, you, it no vale nada. Like, you know, it's not yeah. relevant anymore. And so that's why I try to make stories that really, even if it's like, for example, the presidential elections, that's what I started my internship in 2020. We had the pandemic, the presidential elections, the What protests. a year for you to enter the workforce. My yeah. goodness. And so even though the presidential elections like came and went, the stories that I told during that time of like the Latinos that were pro and against Trump and all that tension here in Miami, that's going to transcend. For sure. And your people are going to look back, maybe not at my article specifically, but it's there. It's on the yeah. internet. It's like kind of like a memento of what happened in that point in history yeah. in Miami. You're capturing this 
a, a pivotal point in history and the city all packaged into one article. So that's what I like. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it for you. And I'm so happy that we have someone like you Thank as you. a local journalist. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what has been your favorite piece that you've worked on so far? I'm going to say a few because yeah. it's just been so like amazing and crazy. So I started my internship in May 2020. May 31st, I believe, was the large scale George Floyd protest where they shut I-95 down. It was like 4,000 plus people. That was my first week of my internship. In the pandemic, they were like, are you sure you even want to go out? Like, mass. Like, we yeah. have to be very, it was very scary. It was 2020, it, right, you know? Right at the height of the madness and the fear that we all had because we didn't know. But me being young, fresh, and ready to go, I was like, yes, I'm going to go. I'll be fun. Okay, and I'm going to cover it. That's so crazy. And I would have been like, uh, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, they. I was the one pushing for it. Like, they were very, like, very, very protective about COVID and all this stuff. So I'm the one like, no, I, I want to do it. And I go. And, you know, again, going back to the thought, like the misconception, in my opinion, and, you know, to other journalists, it might not be that way, where they think that you can't have, like, feelings or you can't, like, you know, like, of course, like, I'm there in 4,000 people. I've never seen anyone show up in Miami like that. Like, Miami people usually... We don't just, have time for that. They don't have time for that. <laughs> they don't care, honestly. Yeah. And, like, you know, see, no, it's not affecting me. It doesn't matter. But all these people my age, too, so many young people just rallying against something. And to be a, a journalist in that moment, being on I-95 shut down, walking yeah. it, like, literally, I got so emotional just because of the sheer, like, impact. Like, I I knew that this was mon monumental and that it was my job to, again, kind of, like... Bear witness to it. Bear witness to it, exactly. Yeah. I even got um, <laughs> tear gassed. <laughs> so that was a great... It was from afar. I love how you laugh about it. <laughs> I got tear gassed. <laughs> because I feel like... You need a like badge a or something. Yeah, it like, like It was like a little metal. No, yeah. um, it wasn't fun. It was from afar. It, it got like very hectic and uh, violent after we left. Like there was like a couple of groups, but it wasn't even like the protesters. And that's like also part of shaping the narrative. Right. Like I'm not going to let that a couple people like started to act up, ruin the three, four hours of peaceful marching that I saw, you know, and that's like... Right in tv world they would sensationalize it and be like oh no they're in curfew now because um some people like lit a police car on fire like yes that happened but that's not the but there main, was more to it there was more to it so focus on the bigger portion of it and not what's going to get you more clicks or views or tunes tune-ins or whatever so that was my week <laughs> and i loved that story i followed up with it on i'm I like to do a lot of pieces that have Gen Z focus on mm -hmm. it. Um, and so, you know, with the pandemic, we saw that everyone was transitioning to online activism. And we were like, is it just for the likes? Is, you know, is it to follow like, oh, like I'm yeah. woke or like I'm part of like, you know, helping, but you're not really doing anything, you know? So we, I, I did a feature with my co-intern at the time, one of my best friends ever, um, Amber, we did a co like feature together where we interviewed Gen Zers and saw how they were trying to become activists in a moment where like maybe they don't even want to go out and protest because they can because of COVID or whatever. And so that one was a good piece too. Um, and I was just I got to cover a lot of fun stuff in 2020. It was the best year to be a reporter. Oh my God, I can imagine. 
the presidential elections. Um, again, there was I was in Doral where Trump um, National, mm-hmm. whatever the hotel, the, the top, what is it, Trump tower, National tower, hotel, or tower, yeah, that, yeah, resort or whatever is there, and so that's like the that was the quintessential place where people would like go to like protest and whatever or be supporters of Trump and Trump was in town and it was literally a side for like cubanos con biden and there was a side for like people that were pro-trump and they're like it's separate like 87th is literally separating the you two groups see the divide you see the actual divide and they're like screaming at each other communists and like whatever like you know the whole Miami yeah. vibe that comes with politics and you're just there and covering that and i think that was fun for me to cover because it's just seeing like i mean it's history in the making yeah, exactly. yeah um i also got to cover obama like I went to a press and it was actually at FIU nice. at the campus where I did all of my like uh, journalism classes. So it's like Obama was right in front of the building where I started journalism seriously in college. And that was such a full circle moment because it was like, you know, first of all, Obama was president when I was like, he became president when I was in third grade. So like to me, he's like the first president the first that's in president. your radar. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. like I had um, George Bush, but like. You wouldn't remember. Yeah, like you wouldn't really remember. It, it was like I, I mean, at seven years old, there's so much I can care about, you know, <laughs> politics. <laughs> so Obama was, if he was like the president, like my first president to me, and just seeing that he was campaigning for Biden, and just seeing him there, and like being in a position where I have access to being there, is so much fun too. Right. How do you approach um, a topic, an issue, a story where you don't necessarily agree or feel connected to? So agree and connected to, I think, are different. So agreeing, it would be a story is what it is. Like, again, I covered for the Miami New Times about um, how Gen Zers feel about abortion rights. Uh, it's not that I love abortion rights. It's just it's been in the topic a it lot has, lately, yeah, um, especially, sure. you know, with the Florida legislature right now, too. So it's always a constant topic, um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you feel about that. Yeah, um, it goes both ways. Correct. So um, I was covering this article and like I had people that I would more so agree and people that I more so wouldn't agree. But what was cool about it is that I, I don't let that whatever my opinion is influence it. It's more so like you can separate you it. can separate it, comp- like compartmentalize it. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, also it's opening a discussion. It's not closing yourself off like I think this way again, back into your little bubbles. Like I had a lot of Gen Zers. I had some Gen Zers that were pro-life. But they were open to like the idea that like maybe the way that they grew up or maybe like they're, you know, there's no fault. Obviously, the other side is a little harder to like try to convince yeah. to, like the pro-life uh, approach. But like there, there was a very openness in all of the conversations where it's like we're human. We get to like share our perspectives. And I think that's if you focus on that instead of like trying to like push an agenda, because you and I will feel the same way or not feel the same way about something. But at the end of the day, there's a conversation to be had. Right. So focusing on that comfort co- conversation is more so on the agree. In terms of comfortableness, I don't think I'm uncomfortable with anything to cover wise. It's more so like what I choose, especially as a freelancer, on what I want to cover and what I don't. So like again, like criminal, like you're not gonna catch me like put like 
police shootings, things like that. No like crime scenes. Crime scenes. Like, for me, it's not my, you know, I'm sure there's some journalists that love that rush and love, you know, but for me, it's not my, my thing. So I think I would more so just turn down those opportunities and just focus on the things that I like to write about and, like, read stories about. Yeah. I You brought up so many good points, <laughs> um, you know, especially about focusing on the conversation and creating the space for that conversation to be had. Um, because not just young people, but the older generations too. I feel like everyone's so into this is my opinion, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and everyone wants to talk, but no one wants to listen or read. In this case, um, and I think that's just so important not to listen so that you can have your mind changed. If it's your opinion and it stand, it it stands still after having a conversation, then great. Mm-hmm. But what if you take something from that conversation, you know? And you also see a lot of, there's going to be a middle ground. There's stuff that you're going to, like, like agree on yeah. regardless. So, for example, I covered when where Miami-Dade's mayor was up for election last year, 2020. Was it also 2020? I think. Oh, yeah, time I think it was is somehow it's like, yeah, for I me, think it was last year. Yeah, I think it. they ran in 2020, but it was like 2021 was the whole full year that they started. Anyways, right. it was, uh, again, it was Bovo, Steve yes. Bovo versus who is mayor now, Daniela Levine Cava. And so I did a feature on both of their campaign managers because they were 20 year olds, 20 something year olds, like 24, 25 year olds on opposite sides of the race. So obviously, what? It was, so did mm-hmm. you did you write about Nadir Perez? No, I wrote about um my. I don't wanna. Oh, okay, no, no, then <laughs> no not, not even the names. It's just I, I it's because me está pasando el nombre, you know. It's okay. And like, I don't, I don't want to make them feel. Yeah, bad. yeah, no, no, no. Don't worry. I just worry. talked to a lot of people. It was yeah. uh, Gomez and again, like se me fueron los nombres right now, just because I'm on the spot. I follow them. I keep a track of them. But the point because I think he was involved um, in one of those campaigns. I don't recall exactly which one. Yeah, I think there was a lot of like but campaign he's... managers, but they, these were just like the two that I but, that I yeah. came across from. And so that story, like, you know, one of them was clearly Republican leaning and the other one is Democratic, Democrat leaning because even though it's a nonpartisan race, like people yeah. have their political views. And so they had so much in common other than like the campaign or whatever they were like, the whatever their beliefs were on how they got involved in politics like what they wanted you know out of this generation to do in politics so that middle ground made the story so enriching because even though they're going for opposite candidates it's literally the same same idea the same motivation maybe not the similar values and different like perspectives but those things it's what blows my mind it's like opening those conversations where you see like we might be different in how we view the world but we also have a lot of common like ground yeah. i think that's so cool it's yeah. so it's so we we really need more journalists like you that are just framing the bigger picture you know because everything's so focused right now on um just the microcosm of things this is the issue and everyone needs to like be really upset about it. And we forget, you know, like you mentioned, there's just so many other layers to to people because we're complex. And also just the local angle too. I yeah. feel like when there's like the big elections, people focus on like 
Trump versus Biden, but at the end of the day, like you live in Florida, you live in Florida, you live in Miami. <laughs> There's like so many local governments like down just yeah. from that. Like I promise you, like obviously whoever leads the country is important, but your day to day, yeah, is not gonna be as affected by it. By instead of like the people in your like state legislature, mm-hmm. your people in your city hall, and things like that. And that as a journalist, I realized how disconnected the community is with that i was covering in college coconut grove my beat was coconut grove and i was covering when ken russell who i believe is district two um in city hall in miami city hall he was running for re-election and i was covering everything and from the amount of people that were registered to vote six percent voted and this is the district that encompasses coconut grove Brickle and downtown, three major like the Miami cities yeah. in Miami, yeah, like parts, ta- right? Not cities, exactly. Thank you, <laughs> neighborhoods. That's the word I was looking for. So it's like how, and then you already know that the usually the people that go show up and vote are elderly. You know, people that have more time. Mm-hmm. Like there's a demographic that always shows up to vote. So it's yeah. like, how could you care more about like? Trump versus Biden and like arguing online but when it comes to like who fixes your city's potholes exactly. what happens to Biscayne Bay then it's like oh like I don't even know who's I don't have time yeah yeah so it's then so you, true. you really don't care and I think that really opened up my eyes to like how can we get people to care about local community and that's why local journalism is so important because they're covering the stories that are gonna affect you and if you want to the New York Times is amazing. Washington Post is great. But they're going to cover on a national level. And that's maybe they'll spotlight, you know, Miami or they'll come down and cover things like tragic incidents like Surfside and things right. like that. But they're not going to tell you the day to day. They're not going to tell you how your life is going to change because of maybe someone on like the Florida legislature did a bill or stuff like that. You really have to exactly. kind of search for sources and yeah. search for outlets that cover that. So how do you suggest people become more supportive of local journalism? I think that being in tuned with, like, daily news, obviously you don't have to spend, like, hours, but, like, if you wake up in the morning, and I have to do this myself, too. Like, it's not like, you know, I try to not be a journalist all the time. I try to, like, sometimes, especially <laughs> You're in the weekend, engage. Yeah, because if not, like, it, it, is, it is does take a toll out of you after a while to always yeah. be in tune with the news. But just, like headlines i would love to also like incorporate in some of like my projects where like you can make the even more digestible like social media is right now especially during that 2020 the pandemic all the protests that were going the various protests um that were going on social media has shifted from just being instagram photos like my perfect lifestyle to informative and mm-hmm. that that comes with a lot of media literacy that needs to be done in order to consume that type of you know graphics and checking sources because not everything you see online was done by journalists or was done by Mm -hmm. people that like fact check and so many things (laughs) get taken out of context exactly and you get like a headline and then all of a sudden the reader's an expert exactly you you read half a sentence how how do you have something to say exactly so it's i think that it's using media literacy if you don't know how like even I'm sure there's courses I would love to even expand my own media literacy because it's always being able to analyze what's in front of you and also just being connected to your community I like if you follow all the local journalists like they all have twitters like they all have 
you know, Facebook. There, there's multiple avenues right. that you can stay in tune and they'll report on the spot. And then you just know it's like the same thing. If you're going to watch some cat video on it, you might as well also watch something cool that's happening or something important that's happening in, right. in your local community. So I think things like that, it's very important. And also supporting them, supporting them with any type of content creation or any type of, you know, online presence like we're all we're all we're competing for the audience's attention and we're competing with tiktok videos we're competing with netflix cat videos like you said everything is a competition of attention and right now no one has attention like you know people are very like this so promoting things like promoting stories that you read in a great article and you're like hey let me share it like with my friends that like would take something of value i think things like that go a long way because it creates like more of a community Exactly. And once you point something out to to a friend, let's say, you really realize how much people will care if you let them know, like, hey, did you know about this? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that takes a life of its own. And you get to sound more smart. I don't want to put it like that, (laughs) but like you you know what's going on. Like you can like talk about something and and not just be like. You can fill your life with more substantial information and things that probably will be fulfilling as opposed to just cat videos exactly <laughs> nothing Although against cats. cats yeah I have two, we so. like cats <laughs> just you know there are other things that you should be looking at <laughs> exactly so it's finding the balance because i know with the pandemic everyone's tired of like caring about it and, yeah or i'm tired like i'm tired of hearing about it there's also about a it, distrust you know? with media um which i think where that's where local journalism it's like the hero of the day and you guys come in and save it because there's so much distrust. People don't trust what they read or see anymore. And there's always that question of, well, what what's their agenda? Why are they reporting on this? Of course. And it's like, that's why, you know, always consume any type of media, not even like just news with a grain of salt. And like, yeah. you know, again, it goes back to media literacy and being able to analyze what's being presented in front of you. But even as a journalist, it's very hard. Again, I it's not my beat. I didn't really cover it. But just from a health perspective, any health reporter in Florida trying to get data when, you know, maybe the government wasn't being too, like, easy to access that data or when the CDC changes their guidelines, it's like right. you're reporting something X amount of months and then now any government figure comes and who knows, that goes, you can distrust politics and all of that in yourself and be like, what was the motive in you know, switching those guidelines right. or whatever. And however you feel about masks or vaccines or whatever, there's agendas everywhere, not just in media, but like in mm-hmm. life. Everyone <laughs> seems to have one exactly. nowadays. So it just creates this like pot of bad sentiment all around. So it's like looking past that and it's like, okay, but you can clearly see certain issues that are happening. Something that I want to discuss right now and I, it's a, a story that I want to work on collaboratively in uh wrn hopefully you know it does come to fruition um is the mat like there's a lot of retail workers and hospitality workers that not only brunted all of the pandemic because they were frontline quote mm-hmm. unquote i mean some are but like you know me selling jewelry or selling sh- shoes wasn't very frontline they were still doing <laughs> you know there's it's not an necessity like it's a it's a great job but it's yeah. not a job that continues like keeps the humanity going you know right so they were forced to deal with whatever was thrown at them throughout the pandemic just like we all were but you know they were customer service at the end of the day yeah. they're you know dealing with that now we're in a 
time where, you know, the CDC has lifted mask mandates, has shortened like quarantine times, which maybe is or, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I cannot speak on whether it is or not like the correct move. I have no idea. And that's why you let the sciences do the report, the research and stuff. But there's still people that are being impacted by that. There's still Miami's a community, a place where people live with their grandparents, Mm -hmm. that people live with like immunocompromised people. Maybe I just work and I don't want to get sick again because a tourist that came from another country in the airport caught the virus and now I'm sick and I don't get to work for X amount of days. So there's still, just because there's a more relaxed view of the pandemic, the pandemic's still not over and there's still stories. Obviously, we don't want to keep talking about like, we want to move on as humans and, you know, move on with our lives but it's also like we can clearly see people there's such right now people don't want to work in retail or hospitality and there's a great demand for workers and it's not Mm -hmm. being fulfilled even though unemployment is going down because people just don't want to do those jobs yeah and when you see trends like that you have to kind of stop and ask like why (laughs) yeah the big question why what's going on i mean and so there's this um bistro that we mm-hmm. go to all the time. Yeah. So it's called Sucre Bistro. Um, they're amazing. We love them. And I want to say like a month ago, they had to start shutting their, like changing their schedule. No more openings on Mondays. So now they're closed on Mondays because they don't have workers. And they're, you know, in a great neighborhood. They have, it, it would be like a great place to work at. They have a great vibe going on, and they cannot find people to come in for a full six-day week of work. And it's, it, you know, you're so right. And this is an issue that's affecting everybody. It's not just about the mask anymore, you know, as you mentioned. Like, okay, we don't have to talk about that. Everyone's tired of that. But there are other things surrounding that that do need to be brought into the spotlight. Yeah, and you can't always do like a... A leads to B when it comes to journalism or in life right. generally because it's just there's so many factors that go yeah. into like maybe people not wanting to work whether that be wage stagnation whether that be um like COVID procedures or whether that be that you know work from home you know there's so many conversations within any yeah. issue so it's like really finding what your readers or your audience cares the most or what will provide most value. And that's news judgment, too. Like people swear that anyone could be a journalist. <laughs> but there you go. There's an it's an art. You know, I do see For it sure. as an art. I see it as something that you develop, you shape, you you become a more skilled worker. It definitely is an art, but it goes even beyond that. You're like the mouthpiece, right? You're. You're the tying element between issues and the masses. Yeah. And you're that common denominator. There's that... a reason we're in, in the Constitution. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. There's a reason. And it's a very important reason, you know. And not to, like, point it back to, like, the old um, presidency and stuff like that. But that was also a really hard time to be a journalist. Yeah. Because people, I would be reporting on the street. And I covered a lot of, like pro-Trump stuff because that's you know Miami it's yeah what, what happens and there was I'm lucky that I'm like a young girl like you know sweet face like <laughs> and stuff like that but like still you would hear stuff that it's like I, I don't trust the media I don't want to talk to you you know and not everyone was rude about it but it's like there was a lot of conversation nationally about 
you know, the role of the media and that perceived bias or the true bias that there is in there. But it was just so it became like its own like us versus against them yeah. when we're trying to serve the public, regardless of your Republican, Democratic, regardless right. of your view on anything like we're trying to serve you. We're trying to inform you and for you to blatantly just like discredit our work. That that was a hard time to. I remember when Trump won, like and me knowing that like my whole career was going to be covering you know Trump it was rhetoric that was being heard that was you know very scary to like be a journalist you know yeah you felt that way you felt it like even though it didn't nothing ever happened to me or nothing was like you know do you always have to be like careful and and things like that so it's I feel like people need to appreciate journalists more not just because I am one because I see so so many amazing journalists that I know and that like they deserve like all the awards. They deserve all the work. And it's a it's also an underpaying job. It is. And a lot of people like they ha- they love what they do to be able. It's like teachers, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. So they love what they do. And you're out there in the trenches and, you know, putting so much into one piece because it's not just to sit down and write it. It's everything that comes before it, you know, to planning the preparation, talking to people, checking your sources, doing the research framing this in a way where people can read it and connect and understand. And, just, and then you have to engage them because it's not like you're competing for attention. So you have to make yeah. it attractive too. Yeah, so it's, it's there's so many things that go into it. And then you're not compensated. Exactly. It's, so that was also very difficult, especially with like the pandemic and all of that. It was very difficult because, you know, I decided to do this career. I decided that. And we'll talk a little bit about making it Miami and what I yeah. see myself now. Because although I love, I see myself as a journalist, even if I have a part-time, full-time busting tables or it's selling or whatever, are. it is who I am. It's, it's, it's ingrained in you. And whoever knows you, and I'm sure whoever reads your pieces <laughs> can see that. Yeah. So, like, I will always, even if I never do journalism again, even if I, like, completely, I did a, a minor in marketing, I love social media content creation. I, I I have so many passions that where journalism fits naturally, all the skill set fits in there beautifully, but I don't have to be reporting against City Hall or just like, yeah. you know, it's not the traditional journalist. Like, it's not like, I don't have to validate myself and be like, oh, if I'm not a New York Times journalist and I'm not a journalist, like I'll always be a journalist. Right. It's just more so like what's going to be more fulfilling. And that's why I choose not to co- cover certain topics or certain beats. And I or I want to, you know, expand what I'm doing. Um, and so I think that journalists really need to kind of be recognized for the amount of work that they do because they care. Um, and I'll always you even see that with journalists that retire or that like have a lot of them have left yeah. the field because, you know, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of undercompensation. It's a kind of career that like wears you down. Yeah. You, know, you have to through be time on stuff. Yeah. And that's why I've taken breaks. I've I've freelanced fully. I've done months where I'm just like consistently like shooting out stories, uh, being behind the scenes, producing, but writing stuff whatever but then afterwards you kind of just like need a tune out like maybe I didn't see what's going on in the weekend because I just just on 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 covering everything that's a wise and smart way of going about it to to kind of know when you need a little a little time off yeah and not everyone has the luxury of that or some people agree like and again never knocking anything but for me I you know I would have to find a really great 
job that aligns with like for example what i love what vice news does even though there's there's controversies everywhere so like like, there's always going to be like something but like i love like even the documentaries that you see hulu and netflix coming out in partnership with like the new york times or things like that i think is so amazing it like i get so excited to watch it i would love to be part of things like that and that's still journalism it's just like producing journalism it's like a different medium um i've been able to do writing i've been able to do audio and radio journalism and so i like to kind of be a jack of all trades and get my feet wet with everything and that's how you learn what you want to do you know for sure would you ever um write a book uh, yes, I literally have been thinking about it because I love I like writing. It's just like I don't know what I would want to write as of yet. Yeah, um, it'll I, come to you. It'll come to me. I think that I've never been like a creative writing person. Like I've yeah. never was like one to be like, yeah, like I want to do creative writing as in classes and stuff like that. I'm very much like research. And again, I like creative writing when it's like putting together like mm-hmm. a human story and things like that. But I'm not I'm not going to go write uh, fiction or anything yeah. like that. But I think that when you have a lot to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I do, I'm like, I just have to figure out what I want to say about it. Um, there's an audience for it. And so, like, I've, I've brainstormed, like, I moved out when I was very young. I moved out at 18, basically, when I was graduating high school. And that was just out of sheer independency and, like, just wanting to, you know, start my own life. I've just always been very driven that way. And so... I had to figure out life and a lot of people have to figure out life whether that be when you're 18 or when you graduate college or the rest of your life because you never yeah. stop finishing figuring it out which is what oh my you God, that's so true <laughs> and so I for a set for a time I wanted to do like either a podcast or like a blog or something on adulting because you know trial and error it's a human story it's something that people are always going to come of age and people are always yeah. going to you know become adults and like want to figure out how things work that's why in tiktok you see cooking videos so popular now because people don't know how to cook and they're like okay here i'm being taught or literally budgeting for me i'm such a planner i'm an organizer i love but not everyone's like that so sometimes people need like tools and guidance on how to like organize their life and I'm really proud with where I am in my life in terms of like my career and sometimes I'm I'm very perfectionist and I'm such a like driven person that I always think it's not enough like I'm like I'm so behind and I'm not but it's like I want to share I've always wanted to share that story I just don't know exactly how to how I would go about doing it so I've just been sitting on it but I definitely do think that it'd be so rewarding to watch to write a book I think that you would be so good at it I think that would be amazing it'd be exciting yeah you should help me out with that (laughs) say no more (laughs) you got it we'll we'll have our first meeting tomorrow (laughs) I'm gonna hold you to that that no seriously I think that would be so so good so cool. And I also want to connect more to reading because I think once I left school, yeah. I stopped reading. You know, as a kid. It happens a lot. Yeah, as a yeah. kid, you love reading. Like, I remember, like, I would read the Harry Potter books in a day. Like, literally, it's like 500 pages. I would just stay up and read it because I loved it so much. And now it's like, I don't even know what books to read because there's, again, it's like content. It's just, there's, there's so many so options. Much. Yeah. And you don't want to, like, waste money. I don't want to say waste money, but, like, you know, you don't want to put no, money or time. No, I mean, books, books or, are expensive. Yeah, you don't want to put you know? effort or time yeah. or financial, like, anything into something and it not give you, like, something in return. So I think that 
you know, I always want to continue learning. And as an adult, that's something. And how do you balance that? How do you balance not, you know, having time to do those things? And that's something Mm -hmm. that I'm still learning to do. So I've always like really gravitated towards like that lifestyle Mm -hmm. type of um, topics. And because it's still important, obviously, like, that's why, you know, Vogue magazine, that's why Teen Vogue, that's why the HGTV, all of that's popular, because we all want to be able to live our lives the best way possible. And if I were to transition into something like that, I wouldn't consider myself leaving journalism. It's just get, taking those skill sets and putting right. them somewhere else. Which is why I asked that question, because I think those the skills that you have and the passion that you have for writing would translate so well into a book. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what, what you come up with. Yeah, I mean, I put a pause into all of the adulting and things like that just because um I still want it I when I do it I want to do it right yeah and that's what sometimes I believe in divine timing as well yeah things happen when when they're meant to happen as long as you're you're working on it it doesn't mean that you're just gonna forget about it and wait for someone knock on your door and be like hey Natalia you want to write a book but you know I think it also has to do with like sometimes trying to be the first yeah backfires and that's what i love about like for example wlrn they're never trying to be the first one to break the story they want to make sure that the story is correct that the story is done properly same thing as with a project you don't want to be the first to like cover a gallery opening Mm -hmm. but then it be like a crappy video you know or like it's something that you put you want to be i want everything that i do i want it to be the best and i want it to come out and like you know me not want to have change it afterwards or maybe yeah but grow from it I don't want it to do something rushed and so I transitioned to putting that idea on hold until I figure out what I want to do with it and um I started making it Miami yes let's talk about that tell me tell me everything I want to know everything okay so how did it start it started with the whole conversation of growing up in Miami Mm-hmm. there was no sense of community or I just felt very disconnected from it because like I didn't know what was going on and I saw that also in like journalism and in you know my friends or people just not knowing what's going on translating it into something that is a mixture of like being human in Miami I don't want to say it's not news because it's not I don't really focus on news I'll cover some right. aspects of news it's not just lifestyle. Like, I'm not just going to show you where to go to Miami to eat. There's a bunch of pages for that. They're great pages. They're very successful pages. But it's content that has value, but maybe not as much substance to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so making it Miami right now is an Instagram. I want to grow it to have, like, a website and um, more components to it, YouTube, things like that. Uh, obviously, I need time and funding. Yeah. <laughs> and anyone else little by little. interested into it, we can talk about it. But it's basically putting the best of Miami out, which is what you do with the podcast. And yeah. that's why I loved it immediately and why I wanted to be on it, because it's literally showcasing that Miami is more than just the beaches and the clubs and, you know, the I live where you vacation lifestyle because we don't yeah. all like always have that lifestyle yeah, yeah. the beach is 20 minutes away but I, I don't mean, go I haven't weekend. been all year and, and we're like about to start April exactly <laughs> so it, it's to show I want to gravitate towards like pieces where it's like showing people like for example Diana Didi Rock uh, the artist showing you know 
the name itself making it Miami has so much meaning to me because it's like what makes Miami you know and that's what I want to cover it how do you make it in Miami and you know like the human stories of like these successful stories of people that followed their passion because sometimes you think again like in hindsight I never thought I was going to be a journalist and stuff like that and it doesn't seem like the tradition at least to me I don't think people see it as like that's the traditional job you want to have you know so it's like there's all these people like culinary like arts Miami Dade College has a great program like finding out the people that are coming out of that and like what they're doing um artists you know in Wynwood we see like I had seen Diana's pieces growing up Mm -hmm. through Wynwood and I started like 10 years ago so right when you would have been and they're very discovering Wynwood yeah so you know you like can see like I can clearly I had seen it before I just didn't know who it was yesterday um I was I was driving you know running errands so driving home I looked to my right and there's a bus with her uh like one of her famous pieces with the the girl that has the ocean for hair Mm -hmm. I was gonna say like a mermaid vibe Yeah, yeah it was on it I was, I was just like so excited to see you know and see her on a bus I was like this is my Carrie Bradshaw moment even though I'm not the artist but still she's my friend so I love her exactly <laughs> yeah and so it, making it Miami is just focusing on anything that like really showcases how beautiful it is and how much appreciation I have for Miami now that I'm older and now that I want to bring that to people's phones or people's houses or whatever it is you know however they're consuming the media I want them to like be proud because yeah we have like only in dates and stuff like that but that's like you know it's it's more entertainment than it is like you know meaningful conversation oh yeah I was just gonna say that it's entertaining and it's even entertaining in a way where you kind of don't want to look but you have to (laughs) it's like showcasing the worst moments sometimes in people's lives here so i i don't know i don't yeah. know how i feel about it exactly i mean again it's uh, they're successful and I'll, I'll never knock anyone for like seeing a need whatever that need yeah. may be an entertainment no, no, or it's, whatever yeah i agree it's- but i think that i want to differentiate myself from mm-hmm. the miami food bloggers even though i i want to cover those things too because it's fun and uh, you know sometimes you know, like, and we do have great food here and we do and that's part mm-hmm. of the culture but instead of just being like 40 okay let me not put it like that but like 30 dollars <laughs> to spend in whatever place and i feel like that's a very direct because there's a certain page that does like okay. videos like that so i don't mean to i'm gonna it. have to look it up now <laughs> uh, i'll send it to you but it's great and it's entertaining and like it gives you ideas and it's i have done videos on making miami like that but i also want to partner and this is the second part of making it miami with local businesses and highlight things so for example i did and you shared it thank you so much for i like that it. one a lot um i met this food truck um it's kind of by like going towards the falls like where the like us1 meets i think i-95 like not i no not us1 i-95 like towards uh uh, like after Dayland between the falls like yes. that area yeah and so they're uh, a food truck for Italian food and the cook he's Italian so it's not just like want to be Italian like no like this is his grandmother's recipes like you know all of yeah. the good stuff and so I meet I met them and I wanted to do like a kind of like how you make a traditional like pe- like a 
plate like pesto pasta and like have him show it and kind of showcase his talent and know a little bit more about who they are um and connect you know a local business with the local community and create the value because that has value that's bringing in people to, to him you know that's bringing that's feeding he they had just had a kid you know, that's something that's going to help their family business that like they put all their savings into that food truck. And so things like that, even if it's like very visual, very fun, like how to make pesto, like if someone knows about them now because of it, I would love to just do that, whether that be with artists, whether that be like, you know, something to feel like a feature when people do articles on like a specific person featuring them, things like that is so beneficial for everyone, me, the writer, producer, whatever role I play in it, the subject and the person that's reading it. And so would I love to somehow kind of make it like a content agency for sure. And that's kind of what I want to build it out to where, for example, obviously the world runs on money. So it, it would have to be some kind of like collaboration where it's right. like, I have a vision of how your product can be presented to the world. And my qualifications are, I am a journalist. I have mm-hmm. the background, you know, I'm very in tune with social media and how to package those things. Maybe not everyone is because you can't, you know, Social media or marketing or whatever form of production is a full-time job. And people don't understand that you can't just like, okay, let's start recording and put out the best work. And so if I can have some beneficial impact in the local community, um, I think that that would be amazing to see making it Miami grow to that perspective. (laughs) I think it will because what you're doing with it, I think it's just so cool. And obviously it's, it's very, um, what's the word, akin to what we do here. So it's, to, to me, it's like awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for of being course. here and for sharing. I love it. It's like my first interview, honestly, that, yeah. I'm, that I'm not on like the other on the side. Other side. Yeah. And also like podcasting, I think it's such a cool medium to tell stories yeah. and the visual too. <laughs> yeah, I, I obviously I love it. I think it's awesome. It's fun. But thank you so much for coming. And thanks for doing this for Miami. Again, like from one local Miami into another, I really appreciate that this podcast does exist and that there's stories being told that go beyond whatever connotation Miami has. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's the goal. So we're going to do it. We're going to keep doing it. (laughs) Partnering Um, and see how we can really bring love to the city we call home. For sure. And to everybody listening thank or watching, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Bye.